Chapter Two: The Sons of Jacob, Part One of the Legends of the Jews, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume Two, by Rabbi Louis Ginsberg. Significant names: Jacob raised all his sons in the fear of God and taught them the ways of a pious life using severity when there was need to make his lessons impressive. He reaped the fruits of his labor, for all his sons were godly men of stainless character. The ancestors of the twelve tribes resembled their fathers in piety, and their acts were no less significant than those of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like these three, they deserve to be called the fathers of Israel. God made a covenant with them as he had made with the three patriarchs, and to this covenant their descendants owe their preservation." The very names of the tribes point to the redemption of Israel. Reuben is so called because God sees the affliction of his people. Simon, because he hears its groaning. Levi, he joins himself unto his people when Israel suffers. Judah, Israel will thank God for its deliverance. Issachar, it will be rewarded for its suffering with a recompense. Zebulun, God will have a dwelling place in Israel. Benjamin, he swore by his right hand to succor his people. Dan, he will judge the nation that subjugates Israel. Naphtali, he bestowed the Torah upon Israel, and she dropped sweetness like the honeycomb. Gad, the Lord gave manna unto Israel, and it was like coriander seed. Asher, all nations will call Israel happy. And Joseph, because God will add a second redemption of Israel to the first, redemption from the wicked kingdom at the end as from Egypt in former times. Not only the names of Jacob's sons are significant, but the names of their sons as well. Thus the names of the sons of Issachar express the activities of the tribe known for its learning above all the others. The oldest was called Tola, worm, as the silkworm is distinguished for its mouth, with which it spins, so also the men of the tribe of Issachar for the wise words of their mouth. The second is Pua, matter-plant, as this plant colors all things so the tribe of Issachar colors the whole world with its teachings. The third is Jashub, the returning one, for through the teachings of Issachar Israel will be turned back to its heavenly father, and Shimron, the fourth, is the observing one, to indicate that the tribe of Issachar observes the Torah. The names of the sons of Gad likewise interpret the history of the tribe. During Israel's sojourn in Egypt it had strayed from the right path, but when Aaron appeared as prophet and monitor, and called unto the Israelites to cast away the abominations of their eyes, and forsake the idols of Egypt, they hearkened unto his words. Hence the double name Osni and Esbon, borne by one of the sons of Gad, for this tribe hearkened to the word of God, and fulfilled his will. The grandsons of Asher bear the names Heber and Malkiel, because they were the associates of kings, and their inheritance yielded royal dainties. Partly the history of the tribe of Benjamin can be read in the names of its chiefs. It consisted originally of ten divisions, descended from Benjamin's ten sons, but five of them perished in Egypt on account of their ungodly ways, from which no admonition availed to turn them aside. Of the five families remaining, two, the descendants of Bela and those of Ashbel, had always been God-fearing. The others, the Aramites, the Shephamites, and the Hephamites, repented of their sins, and in accordance with the change in their conduct had been the change in their names. Ehi had become Erahim, because the breach with the exalted one was healed. Mapira was called Shephapham, because they afflicted themselves in their penance, 
and Huppum was turned into Huffam, to indicate that they had cleansed themselves from sin. As a reward for their piety, the family springing from Bela was permitted to have two subdivisions, the Ardites and the Namites. Their names point them out as men that know well how the fear of God is to be manifested, whose deeds are exceedingly lovely. Naphtali was another tribe of steadfast piety, and the names of his sons testify thereto. Jaziel, because the tribesmen raised a partition wall between God and the idols, inasmuch as they trusted in God and condemned the idols, Guni, because God was their protection, and Jezer and Shillam designate the Naphtalites as men devoted to God with all their hearts. Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Reuben's Testament. Two years after the death of Joseph, Reuben fell sick. Feeling that his end was nigh, he called together his sons, his grandsons, and his brethren, to give them his last admonitions from out of the fullness of his experience. He spake, Hear, my brethren, and do ye, my children, give ear unto Reuben your father in the commands that I enjoin upon you. And behold, I adjure you this day by the God of heaven, that ye walk not in the follies of youth, and the fornications to which I was addicted, and wherewith I defiled the bed of my father Jacob. For I tell you now that for seven months the Lord afflicted my loins with a terrible plague, and if my father Jacob had not interceded for me, the Lord had swept me away. I was twenty years of age when I did what was evil before the Lord, and for seven months I was sick unto death. Then I did penance for seven years in the innermost depths of my soul. Wine and strong drink I drank not, the flesh of animals passed not my lips, dainties I tasted not, because I mourned over my sins, for they were great. He admonished those gathered around him to beware of the seven tempter spirits, which are the spirit of fornication, gluttony, strife, love of admiration, arrogance, falsehood, and injustice. He cautioned them especially against unchastity, saying, Pay no heed to the glances of a woman, and remain not alone with a married woman, and do not occupy yourselves with the affairs of women. Had I not seen Bilha bathe in a secluded spot, I had not fallen into the great sin I committed, for after my thoughts had once grasped the nakedness of women, I could not sleep until I had accomplished the abominable deed. For when our father Jacob went to his father Isaac, while we sojourned in Eder, not far from Ephrath, which is Bethlehem, Bilhah was drunken with wine, and she lay asleep, uncovered in her bedchamber, and I entered in and saw her nakedness and committed the sin, and I went out again, leaving her asleep. But an angel of God revealed my impious act to my father Jacob at once. He came back and mourned over me, and never again did he approach Bilhah. Unto the very last day of his life I had not the assurance to look my father in the face, or to speak to my brethren regarding my disgrace, and even now my conscience tortures me on account of my sin. Nevertheless my father spake words of comfort to me, and prayed to God in my behalf, that the wrath of the Lord might depart from me, as he showed me. Reuben admonished his children impressively to join themselves to Levi, because he will know the law of the Lord, he said, and he will give ordinances for judgment, and bring sacrifices for all Israel, until the consummation of the times, as the anointed high priest of whom the Lord spake. After announcing his last will to his sons, Reuben departed this life at the age of one hundred and twenty-five years. His body was laid in a coffin until his sons bore it away from Egypt, and carried it up to Hebron, where they buried it in the double cave. Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Simon's Admonition Against Envy As Reuben confessed his sin upon his deathbed, and warned his children and his family to be on their guard against unchastity, 
the vice that had brought about his fall. So Simon, when he was about to die, assembled his sons around him, and confessed the sin he had committed. He had been guilty of boundless envy of Joseph, and he spoke, I was the second son begotten by my father Jacob, and my mother Leah called me Simon, because the Lord had heard her prayer. I waxed strong, and shrank from no manner of deed, and I was afraid of naught, for my heart was hard, and my liver unyielding, and my bowels without mercy. And in the days of my youth I was jealous of Joseph, for our father loved him more than all the rest of us, and I resolved to kill him. For the prince of temptation sent the spirit of jealousy to take possession of me, and it blinded me so that I did not consider Joseph to be my brother, and I spared not even my father Jacob. But his God and the God of his father sent his angel and saved him out of my hands. When I went to Shechem to fetch ointment for the herds, and Reuben was in Dothan, where all our surprise and stores were kept, our brother Judah sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. On his return, when he heard what had happened, Reuben was very sad, for he had been desirous of saving Joseph and bringing him back to our father. But as for me, my wrath was enkindled against Judah, that he had let him escape alive. My anger abode with me all of five months, but the Lord restrained me from using the power of my hands, for my right hand withered for the length of seven days. Then I knew what had happened was for the sake of Joseph. I repented and prayed to God to restore my hand, and withhold me henceforth from all sorts of defilement, envy, and folly. For two years I gave myself up to fasting and the fear of God, for I perceived that redemption from jealousy would come only through the fear of God. My father, seeing me downcast, asked to know the cause of my sadness, and I replied that I was suffering with my liver, but in truth I was mourning more than all my brethren, seeing that I had been the cause of Joseph's sale. And when we went down into Egypt, and Joseph bound me as a spy, I was not grieved, for I knew in my heart that my suffering was just retribution. But Joseph was good, the Spirit of God dwelt within him. Compassionate and merciful as he was, he bore me no resentment for my evil deeds toward him, but he loved me with the same love he showed the others. He paid due honor to us all, and gave us gold and cattle and produce. And now, my dear children, do ye love one another, each one his brother, with a clean heart, and remove the spirit of jealousy from the midst of you. Like Reuben, so also Simon adjured his sons to beware of unchastity, for this vice is the mother of all evil. It separates man from God, and abandons him to Beher. These were the closing words of his exhortation. In the writings of Enoch I saw that your sons would be corrupted through unchastity, and they would maltreat the sons of Levi with the sword. But they will not be able to do aught against Levi, for the war he will wage is the war of the Lord, and he will vanquish all your armies. As a small remnant you will be scattered among Levi and Judah, and none among you will rise to be a judge or a king of our people, as my father Jacob prophesied in his blessing. Having completed his admonitions to his sons, Simon passed away and was gathered to his fathers, at the age of one hundred and twenty years. His sons placed him in a coffin made of imperishable wood, so that they might carry his bones to Hebron, as they did in secret, during the war between the Egyptians and the Canaanites. Thus did all the tribes during the war. They took the remains, each of its founder, from Egypt to Hebron. Only the bones of Joseph remained in Egypt until the Israelites went out of the land, for the Egyptians guarded them in their royal treasure-chambers. Their magicians had warned them that whenever Joseph's bones should be removed from Egypt, a great darkness would envelop the whole land, and it would be a dire misfortune for the Egyptians, for none would be able to recognize his neighbor, even with the light of a lamp. 
Legends of the Jews, Volume Two, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg, The Ascension of Levi. When it was disclosed to Levi that he was about to die, he gathered all his children around him to tell them the story of his life, and he also prophesied unto them what they would do and what would happen to them until the judgment day. He spoke, "When we were pasturing the flocks in Abel Melahah." The spirit of understanding of the Lord came upon me, and I saw all mankind, how they corrupt their ways, and that injustice builds up the walls for herself, and impiety sits enthroned upon the towers. And I fell to grieving over the generations of men, and I prayed to the Lord to save me. Sleep enshrouded me, and I beheld a tall mountain, and, lo, the heavens opened, and an angel of God addressed me, and said, Levi, enter. I entered the first heaven, and I saw a great sea hanging there and farther on I saw a second heaven, brighter and more resplendent than the first. I said to the angel, Why is this so? And the angel said to me, Marvel not at this, for thou shalt see another heaven, brilliant beyond compare, and when thou hast ascended thither, thou shalt stand near the Lord, and thou shalt be his minister, and declare his mysteries to men, and of the Lord's portion shall be thy life, and he shall be thy field and vineyard and fruits and gold and silver." Then the angel explained the uses of the different heavens to me, and all that happens in each, and he proclaimed the judgment day. He opened the gates of the third heaven, where I beheld the holy temple, and God seated upon the throne of glory. The Lord spake to me, Levi, upon thee I have bestowed the blessing of the priesthood, until I come and dwell in the midst of Israel. Then the angel carried me back to earth, and gave me a shield and a sword, saying, Execute vengeance upon Shechem for Dina, and I will be with thee, for the Lord hath sent me. I asked the angel what his name was, and he replied, I am the angel that intercedes for the people of Israel, so that it may not be destroyed utterly, for every evil spirit attacks it. When I awoke, I betook myself to my father, and on the way, near Gabal, I found a brass shield, such as I had seen in my dream. Then I advised my father and my brother Reuben to bid the sons of Hamor circumcise themselves, for I was quivering with rage on account of the abominable deed they had done. I slew Shechem first of all, and then Simon slew Hamor, and all my other brothers came out and destroyed the whole city. Our father took this in ill part, and in his blessing he remembered our conduct. Although we did a wrong thing in acting thus against his wishes, yet I recognized it to be the judgment of God upon the people of Shechem on account of their sins, and I said to my father, Be not wroth, my lord, for God will exterminate the Canaanites through this, and he will give land to thee and to thy seed after thee. Henceforth Shechem will be called the city of imbeciles, for as a fool is mocked, so have we made a mockery of them. When we journeyed to Bethlehem, and had been abiding there for seventy days, another vision was vouchsafed to me, like unto the former. I saw seven men clad in white, and they spake to me, saying, Rise up, and array thyself in the priestly garments, set the crown of righteousness upon thy head, and put on the ephod of understanding, and the robe of truth, and the metre plate of faith, and the metre of dignity, and the shoulder pieces of prophecy. And each of the men brought a garment unto me, and invested me therewith, and spake, Henceforth be the priest of the Lord, thou and thy seed unto eternity. And ye shall eat all that is lovely to look upon, and the table of the Lord thy descendants will appropriate for themselves, and from them will come high priests, judges, and scholars, for all that is holy will be guarded by their mouth. Two days after I was visited by this dream, Judah and I repaired to our grandfather Isaac, who blessed me in accordance with the words I had heard. Jacob also had a vision, and he saw, too, that I was appointed to be the priest of God, 
and through me he set apart a tenth of his possessions unto the Lord. And when we established ourselves in Hebron, the residence of Isaac, our grandfather taught me the law of the priesthood, and admonished me to hold myself aloof from unchastity. At the age of twenty-eight years I took Milcah to wife, and she bore me a son, and I named him Gershom, because we were strangers in the land. My second son was born unto me in my thirty-fifth year, and he saw the light of the world at sunrise, and I beheld him in a vision standing among the proud of the assembly, and therefore I gave him the name Kohath. The third son my wife bore me in the fortieth year of my life, and I called his name Merari, because bitter had been her travail in bearing him. My daughter, Joshebed, was born in Egypt, when I was sixty-three years old, and I called her thus because I was known honorably among my brethren in those days. And in my ninety-fourth year Amran took Joshebed to wife, he that was born on the same day with her. Thereupon Levi admonished his children to walk in the ways of the Lord, and fear him with all their heart, and he told them what he had learnt from the writings of Enoch, that his descendants would sin against the Lord in times to come, and they would suffer the divine punishment for their transgression, and then God would raise up a new priest, unto whom all the words of the Lord would be revealed. His last words were, And now, my children, ye have heard all I have to say. Choose now, light or darkness, the law of the Lord or the works of Beliar. And his sons made answer, Before the Lord we will walk according to his law. Then Levi spake, The Lord is witness, and the angels are witnesses. I am witness, and ye are witnesses, concerning the word of your mouth. And his sons replied, We are witnesses. Thus Levi ceased to admonish his sons. He stretched out his feet, and was gathered unto his fathers at the age of one hundred and thirty-seven years, a greater age than any of his brethren attained. End of chapter 2, part 1